0: He shall make you free. He shall be freed indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for March twenty fifth, two thousand and twelve. Uh, and today, just a kind of a compilation of different current events, uh, mostly split into two sections. The first part we're going to be talking about this uh, executive order that Obama passed this week, which paves the way for, really, for them to confiscate anything that they want to confiscate from Americans. Uh, It's just one more step closer to the uh, New World Order agenda that they're trying to implement. And then we're going to have a whole separate section on the abortion industry, how they're actually selling aborted baby parts and how they're getting away with it and the loopholes that they're using and how they're actually, we're going to be recovering that ground that uh, Pepsi is, uh, Pepsi or PepsiCo is the actual name, the ones that make Pepsi, but also a lot of other products, that how they're using the company Seminex to um, aborted fetal cell lines for uh, the purposes of taste enhancement experimentation, this type of thing, and all of the products that that would be implicated in, because I think it's very important we know that, it's definitely one of Satan's devices that few are aware of, and how wicked that company is, and um, not to say that they have a corner in the market, but they're they're pretty bad. And then more information on the abortion industry in general, we're going to get into how witchcraft is intricately tied in with the abortion mill. Some of this information I've partially covered, but I'm going to do a more in-depth study on the actual aspect of witchcraft uh, in the abortion industry and how they view that. So, first article, <clears throat> uh, entitled, Obama Executive Order Paves the Way for Nationalization of the Economy. On Friday, March 16th, <clears throat> so this was you know about nine days ago, Obama issued another unconstitutional executive order. The National Defense Resources Preparedness Executive Order allows the government to confiscate your property without due process under the direction of good old Janet Napolitano and the Department of Homeland Security. Obama's latest executive order demonstrates once again that the executive will continue to violate the Constitution, in particular Article I, Section 1, which states all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in the Congress of the United States, which shall consist of the Senate and the House of Representatives. <clears throat> Any ex- exact enactment of a law by executive, by the executive, is made in excess of jurisdiction and is, by definition, treason. So, I'll, in other words, what they're doing is treason. But you know, they pretty much, at this point, feel as though they can get away with anything. The Obama administration's move to update an executive order to allow the governments to seize control of virtually every aspect of society in both emergency and non-emergency situations. And that's the that's the biggest difference <clears throat> between what was on the books and what's going on now. I'll explain that more Um It's actually entitled The National Defense Resources Preparedness. Obama signed the executive order late Friday afternoon. Such timing is normally a deliberate ploy to prevent a controversial issue from being picked up by the news cycle. Recall that Obama signed the highly contentious National Defense Authorization Act on New Year's Eve. So they're like little cowardice cockroaches and they make sure that they do this at the last possible moment, at the last possible second. So the corporate-controlled news media who, weren't, who wouldn't have covered it anyway, but now they'll have a double excuse not to cover something like that. <clears throat> Under Section 201, the, the executive order allows the federal government to take control of and to allocate materials, services, and facilities as deemed necessary or appropriate to promote the national defense. So they can take whatever they want as long as it's for the national defense of good old America. And it's delegated to the following agency heads. Number one, the Secretary of Agriculture. With respect to food resources, they can essentially take food resource resource facilities, livestock resources, veterinary resources, plant health resources, and the domestic distribution of farm equipment and commercial fertilizer. Number two, Secretary of Energy. They can essentially take, with respect to anything in the form of energy so anything that evidently someone would have that could generate energy in any way, shape, or form, they can seize it. Secretary of Health and Human Services, with respect to health resources, that's a pretty broad definition. They can, in other words, they, it says with respect, meaning they can take anything having that would fall under the classification of health resources. So <clears throat> that's a pretty broad definition. We're going to get a little more into specifics in the next article because this is so broad. But again, when you make things real broad, uh, the interpretation is also very broad. And so that's not, you know, good because it's not specific at all. Number four, Secretary of Transportation with respect to all forms of civil transportation. So they can take any way that you could possibly think about getting around. Cars, trucks, ATVs, uh, You name it. Secretary of Defense with respect to water resources. So evidently if you have like a spring or a well or a lake or a stream or whatever, they can seize that as well. Secretary of Commerce with respect to all other materials, services in in facilities, including construction materials. So it's pretty much anything, you know, anything they want to take for any reason in a non-emergency situation or emergency Uh, As long as they say it's for national defense, well, then they can have it. And you have no right to it, evidently. Although the executive order is an update to the almost identical EO 12919, which was signed by Bill Clinton in 1994, the difference in Section 201B of the new version, the words under both emergency and non-emergency conditions, have been added. So in other words, the federal government is claiming the power to seize totalitarian control of the whole economy, even in non-emergency conditions. So they could do it right now and say, well, you know, we have this right. Well, they frameth frameth mischief by a law, you know, as the Bible talks about, and that's what they do. The administration's move to allow an executive order designed for a time of national crisis to be applied in a non-emergency peacetime, Represents a significant ratcheting up on the Richter scale of martial law. Just because Obama's predecessors, like Clinton and Bush, did not use this executive order, does not mean it's not anathema to the U.S. Constitution. Obama may not use it either, but just as the president has promised to not use the kidnapping provision of the recent NDAA bill, which his administration pushed for, that does not. That does nothing to prevent a future administration from indefinitely detaining American citizens under the law. America is already under a state of martial law, but many have been been conditioned to accept it because the degree to which it has been implemented has not yet reached its maximum. It's like incrementalism, in other words. You don't have to be a witness at a Waco-type siege every day with tanks and the government killing citizens to be under a state of martial law. We already have the executive branch claiming the power to have Americans abducted and imprisoned without trial under the NDAA. And then there's links here to each one of these things if you want to explore that further on the PDF for uh, March 25, 2012. We already have the executive branch claiming the power to assassinate American citizens with no legal process whatsoever. There's a link to that as well. And we've covered all these points in previous weeks we've already have checkpoints manned by tsa goons as well as other militarized forces spreading across america we already have the pentagon claiming it does doesn't have to even recognize congress to launch wars which we talked about that i believe last week and that we only and the only superior body it has to answer to is the united nations true we already have the department of defense characterizing protest just protest, as low-level terrorism, while the federal government is busy labeling everyday activities and behavior as indicative of terrorism. And I clicked on that link because I wanted to know more about that. And there's a PDF entitled, Terrorism Awareness and Prevention, this is released by the government, is presented as a guide for both residents and workers of New Jersey, along with employees of federal, state, and local agencies, on how to assist in combating terrorism. By identifying, quote, unusual or suspicious activities and behaviors, the guide encourages participants to look for signs of nervousness in people you come in contact with. Signs will become particularly evident in a person's eyes, face, next in body movements. The document then lists examples of suspicious behaviors indicative of terrorism, which include, quote, exaggerated yawning, when exaggerate when engaged in conversation so if you see somebody exaggeratingly yawning when they're in conversation that's potential terrorism activity why don't they just gut shoot them right there and, and you know get it over with I mean we, we all need to be in the electric chair for 30 days I guess we're all terrorists you know come on what well, why are they letting us get away with this type of behavior I don't understand it also another suspicious behavior that might be indicative of terrorism is glances. So if you glance at somebody, you might be a terrorist now. So make sure you keep your eyes down to the ground. That's probably terroristic activity as well. And then the other one is the cold, penetrating stare. Ooh, yeah. And then rigid posture. So if you're rigid, if you see somebody with rigid posture, oh boy, they probably got a suitcase nuke, you know, dirty bomb, like within you know, arm's reach. They're gonna, or at least a grenade or something. They're gonna pull the pin on and blow everybody. I mean, come on, it's got to be rigid posture. I'm, I'm quoting from this article now, and then the last one is goosebumps. Goosebumps, yeah. So that's the last one that might be indicative of potential terroristic activity. This is where the nanny state devil governments went to, you know, where everything is essentially outlawed. You know, and they're going to make sure that they go out of their way to call evil good and good evil. So that everybody's perceptions of what evil is is changed. If it's evil, it's good. The Bible says woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And This is the way, though, society is becoming, unfortunately. Those things alone, those five things alone that we just mentioned above, illustrate beyond any conceivable doubt that America is already under a degree of martial law. Uh, There is a link here you can click on that says, Group demands investigation into the Department of Homeland Security long history of labeling Americans as terrorists. Going further... The U.S. Secretary of Defense just announced on March 7th to a Senate committee that the military now takes orders from the U.N. And that's just a confirmation of what we talked about just now and also um, what we covered last week, where Defense Secretary Leon Panetta and Joint Chiefs of Staff General Martin Dempsey indicated that international permission, rather than congressional approval, is what is actually provides a legal basis for military action by the United States now. So they're basically just saying the U.N., we take orders from the U.N. now, and not our own Congress. Next article is entitled, What is Obama So Afraid Of? <clears throat> Quietly, with little fanfare, President Obama signed the National Defense Resources Preparedness Executive Order on Friday, which is what we talked about. Now this is a little different take on it. This is a little more expansion on certain things, uh, a little more specificity. In some areas. In the past, these orders have been related to things like production capacity for defense contractors or giving FEMA authority to resolve disputes between other departments in federally designated emergency areas. President Obama's order, however, takes things much, much further. Uh, number one, the order vastly expands the role of Homeland Security. Now, this is what the first article really didn't cover. As if they didn't already have too much influence in people's lives, meaning Homeland Security. Apparently highways, shopping malls, airports, buses, stations, Walmarts, hotels, train stations, etc. aren't enough for DHS. I I've heard a story the other day where a guy had been in Walmart and he had come out with um, water storage containers. And a guy from Department of Homeland Security was in either in Walmart or in the parking lot followed him out and questioned him as to why he was buying them. Don't shop at Walmart. I'm telling you, that place is cursed. It's evil. It's as big brother as you can possibly get. It should be called China Mart anyway. It's, what they want to do is destroy all the mom and pop businesses, which they've done a really good job at doing. Yeah, you can get stuff way cheaper there, no doubt. But that's their goal, is to create something where you're dependent upon them they're totally evil, totally big brother, totally linked up with Homeland Security. They're totally linked up with Janet Napolitano, see something, say something. A lot of them have the telescreens now, in the checkout lines. You do not need to be giving your money to that evil, wicked, corrupt, devil company. And that's just one, you know one of the many horror stories I've heard about Walmart. And I'll be honest, and I'm not saying this because I think I'm better but every time i have been in a situation in the last i'd say 3 to 4 years where i even attempted to go in there whatever i purchased literally, literally didn't either it didn't work out of the box or it broke the same day it's like god will not let me go to that place I, I'm serious. And then that's me. Maybe that hasn't happened to you. I'm I'm just telling you what's happened to me. It's been made abundantly clear to me by God how wicked and evil that place is. And then I am not to go there. I, I get a really, I hate going there. I get a very creeped out feeling going there. Not that I'm afraid. It's just that it's, I just feel evil when I go in there. Anyway, I, I would not go there to that place. They're intricately linked up with Department of Homeland Security, and that's only going to get worse. Um, In case it wasn't clear before, the people who molest children and radiate travelers will now have total and complete control in some event defined as a national emergency in the sole discretion of the president. Um, I believe because TSA is under Department of Homeland Security, that type of thing. So again, when you have Homeland Security, that's TSA as well under them, expanding their powers. So, you know, that's <laughs> that's not a good scenario. Number two, this order that Obama signed further provides for an effective nationalization of the entire U.S. economy in the event of an emergency. The Secretary of Labor, for example, will, quote, collect and maintain data necessary to make a continuing appraisal of the nation's workforce needs for the purpose of national defense. What? Secretary of Labor, they're going to collect and maintain data for the appraisal of the national workforce needs for the purposes of national defense. Does that mean they're going to conscript people? Does that mean they're going to force... Yeah, essentially that's what it means. They think evidently that it's going to mean they're going to use forced labor for under the guise of national defense. And then... To quote, formulate plans, programs, and policies for meeting the labor requirements of actions to be taken for national defense purposes. So they're going to appraise the situation of how many slaves they evidently need in order to determine their national defense needs. It's free, evidently it's free slave labor, I guess. I don't know what else to think of it. In other words, the Labor Department becomes the Ministry of Plenty, and all the good little citizens will be forcibly reallocated to other jobs. This turned out really well for the Soviets. Also, why did the Department of Homeland Security just put in an order for 450 million rounds of forty caliber ammunition? There's a link to that that just happened. This shocking new defense contract ordered by the Department of Homeland Security to secure a massive amount of ammunition has raised the question of just what are they preparing for? Massive civil unrest? An invasion by foreign powers? What is it? I mean, they just, 450 million rounds? The order is to supply 450 million rounds of forty caliber ammunition, which is more than one bullet for every single person in the United States. The Department of Homeland Security has been extremely busy in the last few months. Whether it be mastering the surveillance of social media, and there's a link to that, there's a lot of the stuff that I'm mentioning, just so you know, there's when you see it, something's underlined, usually that means it's linked, and you can click on it and go to, like, say, okay, well, yeah, you're just spouting off the mouth. No, you can click on the link and go to see where that's been proven. It's just that we don't have time to cover every aspect of all the draconian things they're doing in a given article. I try to do it over time, respectively, because, I mean, time just doesn't permit me to cover every story, obviously. So, whether it be mastering the surveillance of social media, planning to build a level 4 bioweapons lab in the middle of the country, uh, defending globalism, lying to Congress about their Big Brother policies, labeling people who believe in conspiracy theories as potential terrorists, or taking over cybersecurity, DHS seems to be actively working against the American people on every front. I mean, they're, they're pure evil. This is why we need to pray against these devils. I mean, there's this is just one sick, perverted, wicked sect of the government. You know, Department of Homeland Security and FEMA. And, I mean, obviously there's a lot of really disgusting chemicals. And if the head is sick, the whole body's going to be sick. You know, and I, I know Obama, you could say, okay, he's a puppet on a string. True, not saying he's not. But... And ultimately, they're most likely taking orders from their Illuminati handlers, but who are they taking orders from? Satan. So, again, you start at Satan being literally at the top of the food chain, and this is why the Bible says that we battle not against flesh and blood. A lot of the emails that I get, people saying this or that and asking me advice about this or that, a lot of it, for me, usually boils down to the fact that you're looking maybe at the situation and not realizing where ultimately is that situation deriving itself from? I mean, if Satan didn't exist, would that situation exist? You have to ask yourself that question. If if evil did not exist, if Satan and his fallen angels and demons and devils weren't there, would that situation... No, probably, it. you probably wouldn't have that situation going on. So again, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places... And again, that's why it says to, you know, put on the full armor of God, and and you know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And those types of verses, then it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you need to just literally start viewing those as literal weapons of your warfare, because those—that's how I believe God wants us to really view this war. And this is pure evil. And again the whole concept of imprecatory prayers in psalm 64 again and just key in psalm 64 in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com if you don't understand that concept because i didn't for a long time and again we're not praying that god kill and destroy and and exact revenge that's not the motivation but as in psalm 64 it says that when god shoots at them the wicked with an arrow all men shall see and fear and declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his, meaning God's doing, and the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. Under those circumstances where God's judgment is there, and he's judging wickedness, people get saved. Bottom line, look at Ananias and Sapphira in Acts. They were both killed. whole bunch of people got saved after that. Why? Because great fear fell upon many. And they were, I mean... Multitudes converted right then. First thing they did is they got together their uh, their uh, witchcraft implements and burned them. Their witchcraft manuals and things of this nature, or whatever other things they were using. They knew to do that, and that's a that's an example for Christians. You know, you get saved, you get rid of anything in your possession that is wicked. You know, anything carnal, worldly; those types of things should should be. Burn, preferably, but if not, you need to at least get rid of them, get them out of your, get them out of your house, get them out of your possession. Because there's a lot of cursed objects people are holding on to or in their possession of, and it's affecting them adversely uh, spiritually. So I just want to throw that in so that we understand that, you know, yeah, we can focus on this, this executive order and all the other wickedness. But it's ultimately a spiritual battle. And God always preserves a remnant. And you can't, if you get to the point where you're like, well, I give up. The devil's just too great. and Well, you know, um, that's not a good place to be mentally. Because that's, that's, that's a lack of faith, to believe that God can literally protect you no matter what. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, hearing the word of God builds your faith. You know, Another thing that builds your faith is when God takes you through a trial where your faith is tested, and you use your faith, it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, it tends to atrophy. And that word in, physiologically means to shrink. It, it's, so, faith is like a muscle, and when you exercise it and use it, it grows. Or when you go through um, adverse things and, and uh, God delivers you from those things, your faith will grow. Um, some good examples that I've had of that is just key in supernatural in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com and it's my supernatural experiences I've had since I've been saved, essentially, of God delivering me or getting me through this or that. And some of those things are pretty heavy duty. I mean, You know, but again, when he takes you through those things, it's only going to build your faith. You're only going to be stronger and you'll be more ready for the next battle. He'll be able to use you in a greater way. So going further here, number three, the purpose of this order, for example, is to take, quote, take actions necessary to ensure availability of adequate resources and production capability, including services, critical technology for national defense requirements. Now, again, you know, uh, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So I, as a watchman, I'm trying to give you a warning warning here, and, you know, if you have a, a, a way, if you've got whatever, survival gear, whatever you've got, okay, respectively. Um, If there is any way that this can be hidden away, you know, I would say that that would be prudent if you could do that. I'm not saying you walk around in fear of man and and, uh, freaking out about all this stuff, but I'm just saying that (laughs) what I'm telling you right now is they've got legal grounds now to come in and take anything you've got for essentially any reason that they want to trump up So, just to kind of bear that in mind, if, you know, uh, I don't know how much more time we have. Uh, It's amazing that things haven't uh, degenerated to the point where we're not under total martial law, because this has been going on for years, this stuff I've been reporting on. But, I just, it'd be be almost incomprehensible for me to think that we're going to get through this year without something really big, uh, happening, particularly with the whole hype about 2012. Uh, God's just been very merciful, is, is all I can say. He's been very merciful. So, the list goes on uh, to list adequate resources uh, for things like, quote, all forms of energy, these are things they can take, including petroleum, gas, both natural and manufactured, electricity, electricity, Solid fuels, solar, wind, all types of renewable energy, atomic... These, these are things they can take from you for any reason, essentially. And again, before I gave you kind of a broad, this is more of a specific. Number two, all usable water from all sources within the jurisdiction of the United States that can be managed, controlled, allocated to meet emergency requirements. Three, all commodities and products that are capable of being ingested by either human beings or animals. <laughs> I mean, that's any kind of whatever. Anything that can be ingested. Um, four, drugs, biological pro- products, medical devices, materials, facilities, health supplies, services, and equipment required to diagnose, mitigate, or prevent the impairment or of or improve, treat, cure, and restore the physical or mental health conditions of the population. Can you imagine when this stuff starts to go down and let's say the dollar collapses and or we have some type of pandemic and or, you know, all all it's going to take is one of those things really happening, uh, economic, World War Three, pandemic, uh, let's say gas prices shoot up to $7 a gallon, I don't know. Any one of those things happening, false flight terrorist event, um, major earthquake, uh, There, you could go on and on and on, I've covered these over in the past, there's a lot of different scenarios. Any one of those things are going to shut down, uh, could, could potentially shut down the transportation of you know, goods to like the supermarkets and things of this nature. And people with no food, because most people have not, don't have any kind of stockpile of anything at all. Or if they do, they have a few days. And let's say uh, the electrical system, the grid shut, or EMP attack, electricity, no electricity. Okay, well... You got no way to get water now either, okay. And then also people that are on all these mind altering meds, like all of the the people that are on mental health stuff, like in this pharmacia, you got big fat demons associated with them. And then they all start to go in, into withdrawal. And America is such a self centered. Now I can only speak to America, okay, but. It's such a self-centered society we live in. Now, again, I'm not coming coming down on my listeners. I'm just coming down on America in general, just pointing out the obvious. And all those people that, let's say, they don't have access to their meds anymore, that by itself, I mean, I I can't even imagine. We've got dynamics taking place right now that that really have never existed in humanity where we've got people... So dependent upon the government, upon the pharmacia medical industry, upon the now social networking, computers, iPods, all of the stuff that maybe they won't have access to. And as self centered as humanity is, I can't even imagine the, the, all those things in combination what it would actually end up being like. This is why you really don't want to be, if at all possible, in the big city during when this stuff happens. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when this happens. And again, you do what God tells you to do, you pray about it, you fast about it, uh, you know, that's the best advice I can give because it's not cookie cutter, I can't tell you, a lot of people have fled the country and, um, But, you know, there's pros and cons to going probably about anywhere. I mean, if you go to a country where Americans are hated, and you're easily identifiable as an American, and you don't speak the language, well, (laughs) that's not the greatest scenario either. The point is, is you don't want to do anything motivated by the fear of man. Okay, why? Because the fear of man bringeth a snare. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So the fear of God is actually the remedy for all of this and humility, humility before God, because, you know, the fear of God will give you though, humility before God. So if you don't feel like you have the fear of God or you don't understand the concept, do a keyword search, like go up to blue letter Bible, uh, do a keyword search for Blue Letter Bible, Just and then you can key in there, King James Bible, fear of God, or fear of the Lord, and look. just look at all the verses that pertain to it, and see all the blessings connected with the fear of God, because there's no more, I don't think there's anything in the Bible where more blessings are connected with something. But it's rarely preached upon, because it's not popular. People want to view God as the big guy in the sky, or the heavenly bellhop, and oh, he would never send me to a devil's hell type of deal. And, um, that type of thing. So that's really the remedy for a lot of the fear. The Bible says, What time I am afraid I will trust in thee, Psalm 56, three. That's a real easy way to remember because it rhymes. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee, Psalm fifty-six, three. So trust, though, implies faith. So again, it goes back to faith. It's all interconnected and tied in together. And obviously if you're not saved, it doesn't matter because you have to have the Holy Spirit living inside you in order to appropriate the faith. So, if you're not saved listening to this, go to contendingfortruth.com, click on the Salvation tab, there's a Salvation, True Salvation tab, and just listen to that, and and really there's a series of audios, because it's just not about being being saved, it's about, okay, what happens afterward as well, which is, you know, very, very important. So, click on those and and listen to those in um, succession, and that'll kind of walk you through things. Not to say that I'm whatever that I've got it all nailed down, but I I tried to cover a broad area with those teachings regarding salvation process that happens afterward. So, let's go further here. Uh, So, what we just mentioned, food, water, energy, medicine, security, all the stuff that human beings need at a basic level to survive, except that Obama's executive order puts all these resources under the control of the government and allocates them exclusively to meet the needs of the government. See, we're viewed as like cockroaches. That's why the chemtrail planes fly over all day and spray us like cockroaches constantly in their zigzag thing. And those aren't contrails, which are what come from a normal jet. Just do a keyword search for contrails. Contrails evaporate. Chemtrails plume and bloom and get bilious and then it's the cloud cover for the day. Planes don't fly in crisscrossing patterns across the sky through flight patterns like that. That does not happen. That's not how planes fly. But when they're trying to kill us, that's what they do. Now, you want to know more about that, just key in chemtrails in the search box at uh, com. I believe I've done some studies on that. Or Clifford Karnacon. He was like the, the, the original, original guy that's done all the chemtrail research. And how that's, you know... They're spraying aluminum on us and and barium and things like ethylene dibromide, which is a gasoline additive, and all kind of fun stuff, and and to, for a various myriad of reasons, I mean, there's just, it's just not one reason why they're doing it, but, uh, yeah, that's just one of the things they're doing. So, uh, in this capacity, we are all merely subordinates to the interests of the state. Uh, And it should be absolutely clear at this point where normal people stand in the Grand Pecking Order. Citizens are resources to be exploited and sacrificed in order to ensure the continuity of the government. In an event of some catastrophe, you will be stripped of basic resources so that the government can survive. (laughs) A free society cannot exist under such a system in which the state exercises uh, such control or has the authority to exercise such control. I believe also regarding the chemtrails, there's a new documentary that came out. I think it's like, what in the world are they spraying? If you do a keyword search for that at um, YouTube, what in the world are they spraying? That's another thing where you can find out. Now that's been going on a long time too. It's not just something that you know happened last week. So, let's go further here. Taken in conjunction with the NSA's new Utah Spy Center, which will collect and archive the complete contents of every email, tweet, Facebook, post, Google search, phone call, and text message, and the National Defense Authorization Act, it's clear that the Obama administration is expecting trouble from within. And with good reason. By every possible calculation, except flat-out fraud, the U.S. government is completely insolvent, and its balance sheet is growing worse by the day. Meaning and solve it meaning it's basically in a bankrupt-like state, and it's been that way for a long time. The dollar is beginning to be seriously challenged as the global reserve standard, and every effort politicians can make to fix the economy is only going to ultimately make things worse. They're just propping it up and propping it up and propping it up, is what they keep doing. This is all playing out with nearly uh, perfect historical precision. Time and time again, throughout history, as once great empires accelerated their declines, governments have taken steps to protect their interests against the people. So, in other words, the handwriting's on the wall here, it's obvious what they're doing, and for somebody to just put their head in the sand like an ostrich and, and you know, don't pay any attention to it and just act as though nothing, none of this even matters is, is kind of crazy. Uh In the past, they have imposed curfews, disarmed the population, curtailed civil liberties, and declared national emergencies, usually against some great faceless enemy from abroad who threatens their way of life. As it turns out, though, our great faceless enemy is the very people within the system who have taken an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So that was the first two articles there that um, got into this. Now... Yeah, i have got quite a bit of time. I'm going to go ahead and just start into the next part here. Uh, this is horrific. But it is something, again, uh, lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And if we're ignorant of his devices, he can get an advantage of us. And if there's ever been a time where there's been more Satan's devices, it's, it's now. It's the end times. Jesus Christ said, you know, take heed that no man deceive you. You know, and that's going to be the actual. I mean, that that that's one of the greatest descriptors of this time that we're moving, that we've been in, that we're moving into, is deception. Evil men and seducers shall wax, meaning grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Second Timothy three thirteen, and this is the time we're in, and. Uh, This is entitled, Aborted Babies Are Being Chopped Up and Sold to Researchers All Over America with the Full Approval of the Obama Administration. And again, I do say these things so that we can pray specifically about this wickedness. And this is about as wicked as you can possibly... I don't really think there is anything more wicked than this, what we're going to be talking about. And, um... Let's go, let's go into the article. Did you know that aborted babies are being chopped up and sold to medical researchers all over America? There is a federal law which is supposed to ban this practice, but it contains a gigantic loophole that abortion clinics are using to sell huge amounts of aborted baby parts to the scientific community. The loophole in federal law allows, quote, reasonable payments associated with the transportation, implementation, processing, preservation, quality control, or storage of human fetal tissue, end of quote. But there are no guidelines as to what those reasonable payments should be. Um, and the Obama administration is not about to start prosecuting abortion clinics. So aborted baby parts from the American babies will continue to be quietly sold for profit to medical researchers, and most Americans will never hear anything about it. They want to do it like... You know, they want to do it under the radar. They don't want anyone praying about this type of information. They want, because if you don't know about it, how are you going to pray about it? And again, that's why. You know, because their deeds were evil. They loved the darkness because their deeds were evil. And that's what they want to keep this in, in the dark. I want to bring it out in the open. I want to shed light on this evil, so that Christians can pray about it, or whatever they're convicted to do. With full approval of the Obama administration, one company in the United States has plans to inject aborted baby brain cells into the eyes of patients to see if it will help improve their vision. The following is from a recent article from LifeNews.com. There's a link to their website, which is, they're probably on top of this more than anybody, exposing this. Uh, Scott Fishbach, the director of the Minnesota Citizens Concern for Concern for Life, uncovered the information showing a clinical trial approved by the Food and Drug Administration that uses brain tissue from aborted unborn babies to treat macular degeneration. Stem Cells Inc. will inject fetal brain stem cells into the eyes of up to 16 patients to study the cell's effects on vision. I mean, this is beyond... They're going to inject aborted baby brain cells into people's eyes? Uh, how, how, How perverse and sick and wicked. One of the best things you can do for macular degeneration, just so you know, is... Uh, It's been proven that the antioxidants, xanthine and zeaxanthine, are one of the main reasons that that develops, and things like um, kale and Brussels sprouts are very, very high in those antioxidants, and taking those on a regular basis has been proven to um, help prevent and even reverse the process in certain instances. And um, there's a product that Standard Process makes called Cruciferous Complete, which is just kale and uh, Brussels sprouts. But just so you know, that's you know that's the that's the cause. It's not because they have a lack of aborted baby brain cells in their eyes. Think about it. I mean, if you inject those in there, I'm sure you'd have to get more injections. Yes, I have a deficiency of aborted baby brain cells in my eyes, and that's why I develop macular degeneration. No, it's actually you have a lack of. These antioxidants, which are devoid in most of the foods, which help supp- supply things like the rods and the cones, they're called rods and cones in the eyes, in and, and certain eye tissue, and that's why these processes happen. But anyway, uh, so, Stem Cells Inc., which is this devil company that wants to inject these aborted baby brain cells into the eyes, uh, is not using embryonic stem cells a 5 day old human being at the embryonic stage does not have a brain but a baby at 10 to 20 week 10 or 20 weeks of development with visible fingers and toes and ears has a functioning brain says fishbach developing human beings in the womb are simply are treated simply as raw materials for laboratory experimentation by S- Stem Cells Inc. and other companies seeking to monetize the aborted unborn children. So in other words, they're they're waiting for these women to come in and have get their abortions, and then they can harvest this uh, the aborted babies and certain tissues in the aborted babies for their profit. You talk about blood money. Talk about cursed blood money. But the harvesting of tissue and organs from aborted babies is not new. It has been going on for a long time. For example, in a recent article posted on worldmag.com, there's a link to that, describes the very big business that Birth Defects Research Laboratory at the University of Washington in Seattle does in its aborted baby parts um, section. It's known within the research community as a top government distributor of fetal Tissue. Last year, Puget Sound Business Journal stated that the lab in 2009 filled more than 4,400 requests for fetal tissue and cell lines. Meaning, I don't know if that means, probably doesn't mean quite 4,400 aborted babies, because they probably utilize the same aborted babies for different things, but 4,400 requests. The lab's grant records indicate it received... $579,091 $579,091 from the National Institutes of Health last year. That's part of our wonderful, wicked government. National instit- Every. It's just like every aspect of our government. Most of them are just engaging in the most wicked, evil, sick, disgusting practices. A lot of it's behind closed doors. You don't know about it. To date, it has retrieved the products of the products. This is how they put it. The products of... Of 22,000 pregnancies. It has retrieved the products. It reminds me of, of that show. Um, from like the. I don't know. It was like the late 70's. Called Coma. Where they talk about. In the show. They they were going to give this lady. A therapeutic abortion. Yeah that was real therapeutic to the baby. A therapeutic abortion. Is how they refer to it. In that Disgusting. Vernacular they used in the medical profession. That show really showed you how wicked and evil some of what goes on in the medical profession is. Uh, I'm not advising watching it. Okay, I'm just saying it does, you know. And how they view, well, in this particular case, people in comas like a commodity. And they were actually inducing comas in the show of healthy, I mean, Viable, healthy, twenty to thirty, whatever year olds, so that they could so that they could put them in their coma facility, and then whenever what what they were doing in the movie, and this is this literally goes on in real life, except it goes on in a much grander scale, and and it relates to this story is what they do is they showed in the show, okay, we have an order, we have somebody that needs um, kidneys in Zurich, Switzerland, or whatever. Okay, bidding process starts now. And they go on the computer and they and all these rich uh, companies are bidding over this pair of kidneys. From a guy who maybe hasn't even died yet. They've got him on the coma. They've got him in a coma-like state. And, I mean, Hollywood doesn't put this stuff out for, for no reason. There's no basis. They, a lot of it's a warning And again, if you study the whole thing of organ harvesting worldwide, you'll see that it's way, way worse than what they portray on that show, coma. Way worse. Not even close. Especially in third world countries, where they can really get away with a whole lot more. And then they were showing in one particular scene where, like... uh, I believe two doctors or wherever were I was talking. They were like, yeah, we ought to get $100,000 for those. I don't know if it was kidneys or what. And, and how they were doing tissue typing and things of this nature. And, and how they were literally taking people that were healthy, that they had actually created to go in the comas. They had actually been putting carbon monoxide in the gas lines. Now, I'm not saying that happens every day. I'm just saying in this particular scenario. Healthy people so that they could have these bodies in there to harvest their organs. When the time came for the actual, uh, when the need arose. And the one guy said something to the effect of, yeah, um, some millionaire's kid in Texas is going to get this, and they're going to pay like $100,000 for it. And, And, okay, let's say the medical facility pays that much for it, but they might charge a million. Well, that expression money talks. And there, a lot of the, the very, very rich, elite, wealthy are the ones that have access to this type of, of, of things. And it goes on every day. And this is just an extension of that, except this is even worse, what we're talking about now. So there's a lot of things that goes on behind closed doors that we're not even aware of. And I'm, I'm sure that I'm not even aware of the extent to the wickedness of this. It's satanic. But last year's, the lab grant records indicated that uh, it had received um, almost $580,000 from the National Institutes of Health last year. To date, it has retrieved the products of 22,000 pregnancies. Retrieved the products. I love that. It's like, again, referring to abortion. A therapeutic abortion. Therapeutic. How sickening. According to a description the lab provided in its most recent grant applications, an increase in non-surgical abortion methods has, quote, created new obstacles to obtaining sufficient amounts of high-quality tissues. I don't understand what they mean by non-surgical abortion methods. Does that mean people aborting themselves? Non-surgical? I don't think that that would be real prevalent when there's so many um, Planned Parenthood places around and i mean the bottom line is is i mean they're making money off the actual carcasses essentially of these of, of these innocent little babies so to me i'm surprised they don't do a lot of this stuff for free i mean because who knows how much they're making off the aborted babies the abortion clinics if if you have an abortion center in your town or wherever you may live. I don't know of any place on planet Earth where more wickedness is going on than that. I, I just don't I don't see it. And then it goes on to say to overcome these problems and meet increasing demand for I guess the aborted innocent little babies, the laboratory has developed new relationships with both local and distant clinics, meaning abortion clinics, new relationships. I just pray God rain down his fury on this wicked, sick, disgusting, satanic from the pit of hell industry. I mean, just fire and brimstone. Whatever it takes, God. this There is no greater wickedness on planet earth than I believe this. When you destroy little innocent babies in the womb and make merchandise of them. And and try to do it under these, these and, and, and have this smug, almost sanctimonious attitude. Like it's a woman's right to choose. How dare you? You're so unsophisticated. You're so uneducated and all this other stuff. And like there's so much better. I don't know what the punishment in hell for all this is going to be for these people that do this. But it is going to be beyond anything any of us could possibly comprehend. Guaranteed. And I don't mean I'm, I'm saying that because I think I'm perfect. I'm just saying that this is as bad as it gets. So once again, it is supposed to be against federal law to buy aborted baby parts from abortion clinics. But this problem is avoided by taking advantage of the loophole that allows for reasonable payments associated with the transportation implementation implant, Implantation, processing, preservation, quality control, or storage of human fetal tissue. An article posted on LifeDynamics.com described how the system works. Now they're the ones also that have the list of like companies, like restaurants, and companies that are really high on the um, like giving money to like Planned Parenthood and those types of things. There's a lot of places you might be eating that, you know, give money actively to Planned Parenthood. A lot of places, or you may be shopping at. Home Depot, I believe like Red Lobster. Uh, there's there's all kinds. They've got a whole pamphlet they can send you. It's, and there's a link here, Life, but it's lifedynamics.com. I believe they've got the whole listing of places. So, an article posted on lifedynamics.com. How the system works is, number one, baby parts, the wholesaler, this is how the sick twisted thing all transpires, how they make it legal-like. A baby parts wholesaler enters into a financial agreement with an abortion clinic in which the wholesaler pays a monthly, quote, site fee to the clinic. For this payment, the wholesaler is allowed to place a retrieval agent inside the clinic where he or she is given access to the corpse's of children killed there, and a workspace to harvest their parts. In most cases, this retrieval agent is an employee of the wholesaler. In other instances, the retrieval agent is a clinic employee who was trained by the wholesaler. You understand what I just said there? So, the people that want to buy the aborted babies, they put their their employee in the clinic, who's referred to as the retrieval agent. They retrieve the dead baby. And they're given access to the dead babies and a workspace in the abortion clinic to harvest their body parts. In most cases, this retrieval agency is the ploy of the wholesaler. In other instances, the retrieval agent is a clinic employee who was trained by the wholesaler. So it might be Maybe they're actually part of the clinic. Maybe they're not. I don't know, but it really doesn't matter. It's the same wickedness. Number two, then, what happens next? The buyer, usually a researcher, working for a medical school, pharmaceutical company, biotech company, or government agency, supplies the wholesaler with a list of the baby parts wanted. So the buyer... Supplies the wholesaler the list with the baby parts wanted. So the wholesaler, who's got their agent in the abortion clinic, who can harvest all the all the, the uh, aborted baby body parts. The 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 wholesaler is kind of waiting for the buyer's list of what they need. Just like on that show, coma, where the okay, we need this. Okay, the bidding's up. Okay, the bidding was at forty thousand for the kidneys. Then it went like forty one, forty. Okay, forty two sold to uh, the people in Zurich, Switzerland. That's how it went. And they do this all day long. Number three, when such orders are received by the wholesaler, they are faxed to the retrieval agent at the clinic who harvests the requested parts and then ships them to the buyer via FedEx, Airborne, or a similar common carrier. In that show coma, and what they do here is they'll take the organs... Or whatever they're harvesting, they put them probably like on ice or whatever, I don't know exactly how they're doing it, in, in some type of uh, medical box. And then they get them shipped out as soon as possible because the fresher the organs, the more they'll typically pay for them. That's how That's how it goes with this stuff in, in the, the case of coma, they had an ambulance that went out probably several times per day with, with I mean, lights flashing to go to whatever, like, probably, I don't know, some uh, FedEx-type place where they would actually ship the body parts out to the buyers. That's exactly what they're doing here, essentially. These parts are then donated by the clinic to the wholesaler, who turns around and then donates them to the buyer. The buyer then reimburses the wholesaler for the cost of retrieving the parts. So they're, they're getting around this, you know, real, supposedly legally. But, you know, they're not fooling God, that's for sure. In the end, they lie and say nobody is technically buying or selling anything, but they all get what they want, and a lot of money changes hands. That's why I said the love of money is the root of all evil. I mean, this is this is as sick as it gets. A number of years ago, an abortion industry insider came forward with shocking details of how this organ harvesting operation actually functions. The following is from a very eye-opening investigate daily article. There's an actual link to that article. Now this is really sick, what I'm about to say. okay? I'm, I'm just warning you. But it's truth. It's truth. And we should know the, to the extent of the wickedness that's going on in these places. So we have an idea. Because a lot of times, for a lot of my listeners, because I know that my, my listener base has really increased a lot, Uh, recently, particularly since we went over to an automated email list, uh, and there's a lot of people that might not have ever heard this information. So this is from this investigate daily article and, uh, let me just see what we got going on here. I want to see how far I've got to go. Yeah, I'm going to try to get through this and then we'll break and go to part two. Okay, it was an interview that shocked America, an insider spilled the beans on a massive malpractice to a reporter at ABC's 2020. I'm really surprised they'd cover this. Only this time, it wasn't big tobacco in the gun sites, it was the U.S. abortion industry, exposing, exposed as harvesting the organs from aborted babies. According to the former abortion clinic technician, Dean Alberti, now this is a guy that worked in there, okay, He said, clinics were harvesting eyes, brains, hearts, limbs, torsos, and other body parts for sale to the scientific market. Laboratories wanting to test new drugs or procedures, or researchers trying to find the causes of genetic disorders or discover some new ways to treat orders like Parkinson's. Whatever, I could care less, it's all lies to me. I mean, the medical profession isn't about getting people better. It's about disease propagation and the handling of symptomatology and diseases. It's not about curing anything. Why? Because if they cure something, their source of the uh, of their monetary stream regarding that particular disease is going to die and end. They don't want that. There's cures for everything. But they suppress it. Because they want to perpetuate the disease. And they want you to go to them so they can control you. And control it. And get you hooked on drugs. And then eventually become surgical candidates. So you're in their web. That's how they roll. That's what they do and how they work. Get key in pharmakia. Or, or pharmaceutical or pharmacy in the keyword search box. On contendingfortruth.com. I've covered this subject in depth many times. So... Going further, it says, sometimes babies actually survived the initial abortion procedure. Now, this is a guy that witnessed this firsthand. And workers actually have to kill the babies themselves before harvesting the organs. How could somebody do that? How... How seared with a hot iron would your conscience have to be to do something like that? How demon-possessed to the stinking toenails would you have to be to do something like that? I I can't even comprehend it. Alberti worked for a Maryland agency called Anatomic Gift Foundation. Which essentially acted as a brokerage between universities and researchers seeking body parts, and the abortion clinics provided the raw material. Alerted by the clinics about races and gestations of babies due to be aborted each day. So in other words, the clinics were aborted about the races of the people who were gonna get, get an abortion and the gestations, meaning how far along they were. They were they were alerted each day so that they had like a, a heads up. The AGF technicians would then match the offerings, the offerings of the dead babies, body parts, with the parts orders on the client lists. Okay, well, okay, we got, we got this lady, she's 40 weeks or whatever, how many weeks along, you know, okay, we got, that. we can match. So they mix and match, and they try to match it up to to their wish list, their satanic wish list. The AGF technicians would then match the offerings with the parts ordered on their client lists. Alberti and his colleagues would turn up at the abortions that offered the best donor prospects to begin dissecting and extracting what they needed before decay set in. I, I uh, un incomprehensible. He goes on to say we would have a contract with an abortion clinic that would allow us to go in to procure fetal tissue for research. We would get a generated list each day to tell us what tissue researchers, pharmaceuticals, and universities were looking for. Then we would go and look at the particular patient charts. We had to screen out anyone who had STDs, meaning sexually transmitted diseases, or fetal anomalies, These had to be the most perfect specimens we could give the researchers for the best value what we could sell for. Only the best, highest quality aborted baby uh, body parts will do evidently according to these devils. We were taking eyes, livers, brains, thymuses and especially cardiac blood. Isn't that funny? They're so focused on the blood. Hmm. Even blood from the limbs that we would get from the veins, he said. Why? Probably to a lot of Satanists that were actually on that buyer list. Because there's a ton of them that work in the medical field. There's a ton of them that work at these universities. Who, who do you think would be at the top of these types of companies that would do things like this? And they put this veneer on themselves like we're so professional and we're, we're so medically oriented. We wear the white jackets with the magic prescription pads. How dare you question us? You're not getting anything by on God, nothing. Many of those people, and there's a huge number of Satanists in an occultist working in those fields, and at the top of those companies, how do you think they got there? They sold their soul to Satan in order to get there many of the time, much of the time. Why would they be so oh, isn't that funny how when you, when you talk about black masses, the highest the highest sacrifice, the most desirable sacrifice in black masses are newborn infants, essentially. And what do they do? They slit their throat open and they drain their blood and they drink it during those masses. I wonder if that has anything to do with this. I'm sure there's no correlation between the two. Alberti told of seeing babies wounded but alive after the abortion procedures. And in one case, a set of twins still moving on the table When clinicians from the AGF began dissecting the children to harvest their organs, the children, he said, were cuddling each other. And gasping for breath when the medics moved in for the kill. How could you do that? How could anyone do such an evil thing? That's got to be the most wicked thing I think I've ever read in my life. Oh, my word, this is so sickening. But is it better we don't know about it? And this goes on in privacy and we're comfortable in our homes. And You can read the rest of this shocking article right here. There's a link you can click on. And then it says, are you sick to your stomach yet? This is a hard article to write, but the American people need to be confronted with the truth. Now, there's links to everything I'm talking about here. There's, there's different links if you want to explore this more. I, I have a hard time with this information. I, I, I just... That one show, they've got one show about the abortion industry called Massacre of Innocence. And I mean, that, man, that messed me up for like a long time after I watched that. I was just to the point where I couldn't even hardly function. And I'm not saying we bury our heads, but, uh, anyway, um, it says that if we ignore the horrors going on right under our noses, then it would make us just like so many of the other nightmarish societies throughout history that we rightly condemn. There are lists of prices for human fetal tissue all over the internet. One can find an example right here, and he provides a link that you can click on, and uh, you can find out more about that. Um, there's a there's a link to my teaching I did on this subject called Massacre of Innocence: The Occult Roots of Abortion, which we're going to actually talk about that today as well. I'm going to give a more expanded version on one section of this teaching that I did, but this is more of a dedicated teaching. I give you the link to that. Um, it'll be on page like seven, I think, of this PDF. And uh, that's uh, there's also. The article called Massacre of Innocence that you can click on, and I give you the uh, the link to that. So um, I'm going to go ahead and end part one here. I'm, I'm out of time on part one, and we'll go to part two next. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24 7 on the internet at contendingfortroop.com. That's C O N T N D I N G F O R T R E. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202. 3rd line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.